morning. Greet each of you this morning. In the name of our Lord. Thankful that we have again the opportunity to gather around God's word. I had to think there as we sat there, and the thought came to my mind that God's word is like that crystal clear light without any. Sometimes, notice there in my shop, we um, the light streams in this time of year in the windows in such a certain way, and sometimes I wonder if it's dusty in there. I can't see the dust, but I can sense that it's there. We have try to have some uh, dust collection that pulls it out of there, but yet it seems like it's still seems like it's there, even though as you look across the shop, you don't see it. But in the rays of that light, you can see just those fine particles of dust. If you catch it just right, there's those fine particles of dust. And so that, that light coming in, though it appears to be clear and, and um, sharp, yet there's dust that's between us and that. And notice in the summertime, there's a certain type of lighting that as that light shines at the end of a day, that we look out across a bean field or we look out across, and there's just there's cobwebs that are floating across the sky, there's dust particles, there's all kinds of bugs, and they don't interfere with the vision of the whole scene. We can still see the woods in the distance, and we can still see the, the clouds and, and whatnot, but we recognize that between us and that, there's a lot of... There's a lot of um, particles that are flowing around there in, the, in between us and them. And the light reveals that as it comes through. And it shows those little things that otherwise we don't recognize. And even in this room right now, there's between you and I, there's, there's dust particles that are floating that we don't pick up. But if there would be the certain light that would come in, we would be able to see that and notice that. And, it, and we want that crystal clear light. We want the light of God to shine into our hearts. And that's the power of God's word that there is no speck in it. There's no dust in it. There's no um, clutter between us and it. That it could shine in all of its clarity and its crystal clearness, and that it would penetrate down into the depths of our heart. And uh, that would be my hope and prayer today that that God's word would be able to be that that crystal clear light. I think there in the glories of heaven it says that there's no shadow. And what that would be like there to have penetrating light in all things and radiating all around, that, that, that glorious light of God and his presence, the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And that is the same Father that we've entreated, I, I hope and trust, each of us this morning, that we've asked him to shine his light into our hearts here this morning. Let's see if there's anything there that ought not to be here. Or that maybe just needs strengthened and encouraged. So, I don't have uh, any idea this morning what that would necessarily be. And I'm thankful for that. I, it's, a, it's a real freedom for me to be able to sit there before I come up and just be able to just say, Lord, I am willing to say whatever you would inspire. And I, I trust in that. I, that's a simple faith that I have that he'll do that. And it comforts me to know that I can stand up here and I don't have anything prepared. Um, and so I'm glad for that. The words opened here to 
book of Psalms. We have Psalm 38. Psalm 38. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, as in heavy burden they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled, I am bowed down greatly, I go mourning all the day long. My loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. This really is, isn't this really the state of those who are resisting God? Is this not really the state of those who are called, maybe in repentance, those who are called and convicted and feel that they must turn from their sinful way, and God's hand is heavy upon them, and there is no rest. There is no rest for those who are resisting God. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it is also gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things, and imagine deceits all the day long. I think it switches there in about verse 11, maybe verse 10. And I can just picture the sufferings of my Lord. As we think about how he even prophesied and told them there before he was taken that, that all of them would be scattered that night, that all of them would, would leave him, that the shepherd would be smitten and the sheep would be scattered. As we think about him there on that cross, and as he could look out, and he could see his friends standing there aloof, some of them not even there. My kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. But I as a deaf man heard not, and I was as a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. We can see the Lord there in that, can't we? Thus I was as a man that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope, Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. For I said, Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me when my foot slippeth. They magnify themselves against me, for I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. Going back now again. 
But mine enemies are lively, and they are strong, and they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries, because I follow the thing that is good. Forsake me not, O Lord, O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Let's pray together. Our great and almighty God, we come before thee this morning thankful that we can pray to thee. Thankful, Father, that we have this opportunity to gather again around thy word. Thankful, Father, for the power of thy word that it's able to shine into our hearts, it's able to penetrate into our minds, it's able to enlighten our darkness, to reveal things, Lord, that may otherwise be hidden. And Lord, there are so many things in this life that would distract us so that we do not pay attention to our souls. There are so many things in this life that would distract us from the greater things that we ought to be doing, the works that we ought to be busy in. And yet, Lord, spinning our wheels in things that really truly do not matter and that will not be able to be lasting, that will not go on with us into eternity, and yet taking up the greater bulk of our time. And so, Father, teach us how to live here below in that way that is truly right before Thee. Teach us, O Father, how to live that life that is pleasing unto Thee, even as our Lord was pleasing unto Thee. Lord, dwell in our hearts mightily, and if there would be anything, O Lord, that would grieve Thee in any way, as Thou dost look upon us, Lord, that our prayer would be that it could be removed from our hearts. Dear God, so many men today are living in sin. They're living double lives Lord, they're not real before Thee, and they're deceived and walking in darkness. And Father, it would be our prayer that many could yet come to know Thee before it is forever too late, and to experience the joys of being made into one man, even in the very image of Christ, and the peace that can come from that. We thank Thee for this abundant life, Lord, that Thou hast given, and pray that it might be made manifest in our lives. Dear God, come and speak to us plainly. Again, we would pray, Lord, as we so oftentimes do, protect us from the evil one who would distract our thoughts, who would rob the words that are spoken, who would bring, try to bring confusion, would try to bring distractions. Dear God, that would try to rob us of that which thou would want to do here today. So protect our gathering. Be with us in this day, and bless us. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee. And it's in thy Son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Word is open here to Luke chapter 12. Chapter 12. In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, 
and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more they can do. But I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Also I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. And when they bring you into the synagogues and into the magistrates and powers, take you no thought how or what ye shall answer or what ye shall say. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto a certain unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse or barn, nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. A treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he shall return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. 
And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. I'm going to continue. And then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him ruler over all that he hath. But, and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken, the Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, I tell you nay, but rather division. For from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And he said also to the people, when you see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, there cometh a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time. Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrates as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he haul thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. I tell thee, thou shalt not depart thence till thou hast paid the very last might. We've read 58 verses there. I considered stopping there after the third verse because I thought there's probably enough right there. But yet when I looked at all of the, the beautiful words here, so many of them in red, it was difficult to know where to stop. So we'll start going through this and we don't get done this morning, then maybe we can just continue on this afternoon where we, where we leave off at here this morning. We may just do that. Seems that one thing the Lord really does not like the Lord really had strong words for was the hypocrite. And I think 
there's probably multiple reasons for that. But maybe one of the, the, the strongest reasons is because at the core of hypocrisy is dishonesty. At the core of hypocrisy is, the center of that is a man that is really truly just a liar. Because he is really two men. He is not one man, he is two men. And the problem with two men Let me just back up a little bit. Why would we be different on Sunday than when we're at home? Why would we be different here among the saints and not be the same at home. So you think about yourself and how is that? You see the hypocrite is different. There's two of him. There's the one that you see on Sunday. There's the one that you see in public. There's the one that you see at religious gatherings. There's the one that you see in public functions and is very spiritual, the leaven of the Pharisees. These men know how to speak. These men know how to talk. They pick up the spiritual lingo. They pick up the spiritual language. They begin to know the right phrases, the right sentences, the right questions to ask so that others look upon them and would have no idea that actually at home they live entirely different. They're hypocrites. They're liars. They're dishonest. There's only one place for the hypocrite, and that's hell. And that's where they will spend it. But the Lord says here, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. They say so many nice things, and they look so good. But there's two of them. There's always two with the hypocrite. There's the one that you see in the religious state, but then there's the one that's when no one's around. And it needs to be said very clearly that the one that you see in the religious state is not the real one. The real one of that two man, that man that is two people, the real one is the bad one. The real one is the evil one. The real one is the one that is sinning. The real one is the one that is in his closet when no one else is around. That's the real man. And the religious one, forget him. He's a fraud. He's a sham. He's, there's nothing to him. The real one is the one that's behind the closed door when no one sees who's entirely different than the one that you see on Sunday. The Sunday Christian, we say. And it's sad to say that there's a whole tassel of people today who profess to be Christians that somehow transform from the drive from their home to the church, and by the time they get from, the from their home to the church, they're suddenly transformed into some person 
that it is not real. They are not real. And they are portraying themselves to be something that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they are not. And their children know they are not. And those that would live with them know that they are not. These are the hypocrites. And at the core of that double-minded man, at the core of that two-faced man, at the core of that double person, is a lie. Dishonesty. They are simply lying, and they're living a lie. And that is why the Lord hates it. That is why he says there in Matthew, he spoke such scathing words, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Hypocrites. I tell you, there's hardly anything more disgusting than for a hypocrite to speak spiritually to tell you something about the Bible, to tell you something about Jesus, but know that there's sin in their life. It's disgusting. It's a stench. And God hates it. As children of God, we ought to hate it. Because it turns people away. It actually shuts the kingdom of heaven. It turns people away where they don't want anything to do with that. We've all met men who are hypocrites. And how many men have been offended and turned away from the kingdom of God because of someone they know who is a hypocrite? And they want nothing to do with it. If that's what your religion is, if that's what your Christ is, if that's what this is, I want nothing to do with it. You look so fine on Sunday. You say all the right things on Sunday. You get everybody believing, and you can. And these hypocrites, they can cry, and they can, they can be so humble, and they can be so sincere. But when they get in their home, they're not the same. That's not who they are. They're liars. They're dishonest. And that's the real one. That's the real one. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Now just think about that. Just think about that. Nobody else seen you do that, possibly. I hope it's not among us. But there might be others that hear. How many people, how many people sin? How many people sin? No one else is around. No one else finds out. It's their secret. They bottle it up there. No one's going to find out about this. but won't it be a horrifying sight someday? There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Won't it be a horrible sight to come before the Almighty God and they're displayed? I don't know how it's going to be, but they're coming marching before you. It's all these past sins that no man ever knew about. They thought you were a righteous man, a righteous woman, and yet all these things just come start marching across And there before the Almighty God, it's all known, it's all revealed, it's all been brought to light.
nothing covered. There's nothing covered. There's a reason why people don't spiritually succeed. There's a reason why people can't get their feet underneath them. It's very simple. Sin. We say it so many times, sin. You find a person that can't seem to get their spiritual sense about them. They feel condemned. They feel cast off. They feel separated from God. There's only one reason. It's sin. You know, the Lord hates lukewarmness. This might be a little hard to say. But if you're going to be a Christian, then be a Christian. If you're going to be a Christian, then live the Christian life. If you're going to be a Christian, then live holy live free from sin, live separated from the world, follow and cleave to the Lord Jesus Christ with everything that is in you and see if you don't have a life that is full of joy, that is full of peace, that is full of victory, that is full of light, that is full of good things, an abundant life. But dare I say this, if you're not going to be that, then be a sinner don't be a hypocrite. Then be a sinner. Don't be a lukewarm sinner. Don't be one that professes Jesus on Sunday and lives like hell the rest of the week. If you're going to be a sinner, if you're going to still dabble in it, if you're going to still play with it from time to time, if you're going to still mingle with it behind the closed doors and think you can get away with it and then come to church with a smile on your face and act like you're a Christian, then Christ says he'll spew you out of his mouth. If you're not going to be a Christian, then be a sinner. And just try being a good sinner for a week. Just try to do it real, real good for a week. Plunge yourself into it. Give yourself wholly to it and be the best sinner you possibly can be. Just throw yourself at it. Quit being a hypocrite. Quit being something that you're not. Throw yourself in as a full-blown sinner. You might not be alive at the end of the week. Because sin brings death. But at least you won't be a hypocrite. Give yourself wholly to it. And if you're not man enough or woman enough to throw yourself wholly into that sin, then turn to the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart and give him entirely everything and be a Christian. But do not play the role of a hypocrite. That hypocrite is despised of God. It's a stench to man. Who's going to throw themselves at it? Who do you know that's been that? Does it look good to be that great sinner? Does it look good having a needle hanging out of your arm because you've overdosed and there you are dead? But go for it. That's what sin brings. Does it look good living in a filth hole with a hangover? You ever going to have that as being a Christian? You ever going to regret living holy for Christ? You ever going to wake up with a hangover? Of course not. But the hypocrites do. Be a saint or be a sinner. Be a saint or be a sinner. But don't be a hypocrite. Be hot or be cold. Don't be lukewarm. Own it. Be what you actually are. 
and see where that gets you. A Christian will never regret it. You plunge yourself and give yourself wholly to the Lord, you'll never regret it. But you plunge yourself and give yourself to the devil as a real, true sinner, you'll see where it lands you. You'll be in hell, maybe less than a week. How many men are bold enough to actually live out the sin and the filth that they actually are? No, they're afraid that they know if they take it too far, there's a line there that's drawn. There's eternal damnation and hellfire there waiting for them. And so they play the role of a hypocrite. They try to, they try to get along just, just good enough to keep them alive. Just good enough so they're not in that hellhole. Just good enough so they're not dead with a needle hanging out of their arm. How few are men enough to just really embrace it for what it really is and be all that they can be as a sinner? I would hope that we'd turn from all that filth. I'd hope we'd turn from all that. And that we'd turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and plunge ourselves wholly given unto him. We put away the sin of hypocrisy.